Hello, Conspirituality Podcast listeners. Welcome to a sample of a Patreon bonus episode. We release these every week for our subscribers. They're usually solo essays from our team. It costs $5 a month for access, and the support helps to keep us ad-free and editorially independent. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash conspirituality. Thank you. Hey, Julian, welcome to Bonus Monday. Here we are again. I'm, I'm enjoying this, uh, this new theme that we're exploring. Yeah, so you went to church last time around, and uh, this time around, I want to invite you into a little bit of uh, 1950s-era Catholic orthodoxy and say something about how that has impacted my brain in a way that I'm trying to figure out, and I think you can probably help me with it because you're all about the neuroscience. Um, So I've got this book, uh, and it is called, I'll show it to you, uh, maybe I'll put a screenshot in Patreon. Uh, it's got, you know, this classic uh, leather brown sort yeah. of maroon cover. It's called uh, My Catholic Faith. Okay. It's by a priest named Louis Lachavoir Moreau. And he was actually the Archbishop of Krishnagar, which is the Diocese of Calcutta when he wrote this. Uh, but I believe but I believe he's from the Midwest. It's published in 1949, and it was the best-selling catechism for uh, Catholic high schoolers in America for, wow. I don't know how many years, but probably up until uh, Vatican II changed everything in the mid-60s. But um, I'll just uh, give you a sense of, of what this covers. Uh, it has uh, three parts to it, um, and the contents are laid out in part one, what to believe, uh, part two, what to do, uh, and then part three, the means of grace. Wow. And um, yeah, the didacticism is incredible. And and I'm just going to start with a couple of quotes because um, I not I just want your your sort of cold response to them, but I also want to explain what happens to me when I when I encounter this material. Okay, so this is just from section number one, which is called "Religion and the End of Man." Uh, I'm going to give you the illustration here. Maybe you can see it. Uh-huh, you see uh-huh. that? Okay, so we've got like a, a woodcut print. I'll just read the caption. It says, In creating us, God gave us the power and right to choose which path we should follow in life, either the path of obedience or the path of disobedience to his commandments. The first seems wearisome and full of thorns, but reward comes in the end, happiness with God. The second seems full of pleasures and roses, but punishment awaits the traveler at the end, eternal damnation and hell. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're, you're already turning green. Okay. Each must choose for himself. We may find the choice a hard struggle. We shall be strengthened in the choice of the difficult path if we remember that we belong to God, that he loves us, that he will help us and is waiting for us at the end of the road of obedience. Okay. So from the chapter, uh, there's a number of Q&A passages And one of the questions is, uh, is it necessary for us to practice religion? Question mark. And then answer is, it is absolutely necessary for us to practice religion. God gives us no choice in the matter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then this is just for you. Who are those who advocate no study of religion? Question. 
Answer. Those that advocate no study of religion are generally termed free thinkers, agnostics, skeptics, rationalists, and Julian Walkers. <laughs> Actually, uh, I, I advocate studying religion very deeply. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, they don't. There's no category for you. Yes. Right. For like s- stealth uh, st- students. Okay. So then the explanations are: these thinkers claim that all problems can be solved by use of the intellect alone, without necessity of any principle, law, dogma, or authority. Freedom of thought has a pleasant sound, but it is against reason. By it, the mind is fettered by error. We submit our minds freely to natural and scientific truths. That is true freedom. If there is no freedom of thought in mathematics, why in religion? (laughs) Freedom of thought is evidently a contradiction. We are not free to think what is not the truth. There are fundamental laws that bind the intellect. For instance... Are we free to believe that the sun revolves around the earth, even if it appears to do so? The intelligent man, in order to attain the kind of freedom humanly possible, should find out to which authority he must submit. He must discover which is the law. And this is why the rational man studies religion, to find out this fundamental law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I are mean, you con- are you converted? Not yet. Not yet, but keep going. <laughs> it's I mean that's the classic epistemology, right? It's the it's that there there are there are fundamental truths which can only be approached through religious revelation. Um and for 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 the special ones and then for the rest of us we have to study what they have told us about that religious revelation and and learn it as factual in the same in the same way that there are laws of mathematics and science there are religious laws that are just they just have an you know a, a, a perennially factual quality about them and and right. and you you disagree with that at your peril right and the definitions of all of these things, of course, have to be self-evident, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, it's circular. So, it's, well, this is what I want to get to, because let me just go back to, is it necessary for us to practice religion? It is absolutely necessary for us to practice religion. God gives us no choice in the matter. Okay, so there's uh, 85% of my brain that recognizes the complete circular self-sealing word saladry of that. Then there is another part of my brain. Um, I, I can visualize it as kind of like a, some sort of little, I don't know, little knot of cells somewhere mm-hmm. that lights up because the circular reasoning feels comfortable. It yeah. feels comforting. Yeah, It feels like I have asked a question and I have answered it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I'm being told from the authoritarian page what my question should be and what my answer should be. But somehow reciting the question and answer from the catechism mm-hmm. gives me this feeling that I have a kind of perfectly solved riddle mm-hmm. in my brain that feels comforting. It's like a little pearl in there. Uh, And that's a very deep memory of 
sort of accepting and relaxing mm-hmm. into uh, Catholic theology. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that I can still feel it, Julian, that's what I wanted to sort of yeah. share to you because share with you because and with the listeners because um, I I don't know whether that would I don't know whether that will ever go away, mm-hmm. but I feel like I grew up in a religious context in which part of my brain has simply formed around the need for a comforting spot and the capacity to sort of invoke it and to create it with, even if it happens through, you know, contradiction and word salad. Mm. And that's why I think that the, you know, solipsism of A Course in Miracles found its way into my brain later on. That's why I believe that some of the solipsistic aspects of Buddhist philosophy Mm -hmm. found a home, Mm -hmm. a sort of ready-made home Mm -hmm. in my brain, a place where uh, everything was mathematically balanced and complete and every question was answered. And that's an interesting part of my brain now. I don't really know what I use it for, but I certainly know... How, that I feel it, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that it can invoke a kind of nostalgia for me. 